Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello, friends, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, where we are breaking down divisions, but not just like NFC or AFC. No, East Coast last time, West Coast this time. We're going to the West Coast, the best coast, at least that me and Brandon Funston would say. Jake would probably disagree. I am Chris Welsh. You can find on Twitter at Is It The Welsh, joined by the great and powerful Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston. Jake, Brandon is back. You see, do you see him? It's real. It's real life. We actually have him back. That's right. Yeah, I know because uh, we still probably have what one more vacation before the season starts. Oh no, that's it. I told, I told Nando, I, I'm good for August. I don't believe you. I know. I, I don't even believe myself, but I'm. That's my story. I'm sticking to it for right now. <laughs> Can you just take me with you, though? Like, I did a, quote, vacation where I took my family to Universal Studios, and I never stopped uh, doing stuff for other people, spending all my money. Like, I need, like, a vacation. You were Brandon off air, he's like, oh, I was on jet skis, and I was a cabin in water. And I'm like, oh, my God. That sounds amazing. So and I did, I did get one 8,000 NBA Summer League review uh, that I did do while I was on vacation because I didn't I didn't want to throw that to Nando he's not an NBA guy I was like okay I'll handle that so but I kind of wanted to read it anyways because I wanted to I want to catch up on the NBA summer league summer league (laughs) oh no summer I can't even imagine for those that like the NBA there you go Stan Sun's uh, summer league review there's a there's a good read for you yeah, it's like it's like training camp for football if people are trying to figure it out. It's like getting into training camp. Uh, training camps are starting up. Little news pieces are getting out there. As they get incorporated, we can do it. But like I said, today what we're doing, similar to what we did uh, in the last episode and we'll do over the next couple, is talking about the biggest fantasy-relevant things attached to teams, and we have just given it to you by division. So we are going on the Wests, and let's start with the Wests in the AFC, just like we did yesterday Starting with the Denver Broncos. Jake, I'm going to start with you. And you, you as, as always, Brandon, you weren't here for this, but like, if you guys have different takes on something, you're welcome to throw it out to us. If you don't feel what I have posed, we're not going to do a gajillion questions on each. Really kind of like the most important. And Jake, I think maybe the most important question to ask with the Broncos right now could be tied around Russell Wilson, but I'm throwing it to Devante, Javante Williams. Not starting on the pup has got people running around crazy. So do you think not him not being on the pup is reason for us to make a major boost for Javante Williams in his ranks for this year? No, not a major boost at all, because there is reports this entire offseason that he and Brees Hall were on similar paths, but Javante Williams was still behind him. And this is like, I think the real question would have been if he started on the pup. Like I was playing this scenario as if he's still questionable for week one. And if he's out there week one, is he even 100% just because we've been seeing the timeline of the doctors for every website out there, including ours, talk about the Javante situation is worse than Hull's. So I don't think this changes it, not at least for me. I, I still had this almost a 50-50 split with Pirine. I think it's going to be similar to the year before. They 
they share the workload in this backfield. And I know it wasn't Sean Payton before, but Sean Payton shared the workload in the backfield. He has a pass catcher and a runner. And some years with like the Pierre Thomas years, he had three guys. So I don't think that we're all of a sudden going to see Javante jump back to 70. Plus there's no reason for it when Payton was the one that was with this organization with the Pirine signing. So it hasn't moved the needle for me at all. I was about to say, where do you have, where do you have him though? I'm not looking at your ranks right now. Javante? Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, I would guess he's the lower 20s, around 30. Okay, and this is not moving whatsoever for you? No, because I still think there's too much. He's 29. He's sandwiched between Antonio Gibson and David Montgomery. And there's much more upside there, but I also think there's much more downside. I think he deserves to be in the conversation with Connor Pacheco, where he is with Gibson and Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Alvin Kamara with a suspension. Those are the kind of names I have around him. Yeah, and I don't want to be hypocritical because I'm a little bit like I'm openly worried about the Brees Hall stuff with the injuries, but it has more to do with the cost you pay for Brees Hall. And I think he's like one of the most talented backs in the league, but the cost you have to pay for him where I'm a little bit excusey about it with Javante, but it's also because of the cost that he's so low. Brandon Javante is 30 ECR on a consensus rank right now. Jake says 29 are you going to make the move at all knowing that he's not starting on the pup? And at least we're getting positive health signs. Are you different from Jacob? No, this? I think this is really helps the, I really think this is going to make Samaje P Ryan even more of a value uh, because more likely Javante is going to go up and Samaje P Ryan is going to go down. But I, I, mm. I use JK Dobbins as the, as a very recent cautionary tale. And I was just looking back through his, you know, his player news and on July 18th, he had the quote, I might not even go on the on the pup because that's how good my rehab is going. And I'm damn sure going to be ready for week one. So a week later, he went on the pup, but he went on the pup for two <laughs> weeks and then he was back in camp. He was available for them in week one, but he did not play the first two games of the year. He played in week three midseason. He had arthroscopic knee cleanup. And he ended up playing eight games and they had basically the same injury with multiple ligament tears in a knee. And I think people tend to think, oh, he's not going on the pup. And that just means he's going to be playing and be ready all the time. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with that. I, I, so it just means a lot of teams just wanted to say, OK, if he has a chance to play before he'd be eligible to come off the pup, we might as well keep him eligible. And I just, you know, and Jake mentioned the Sean Payton thing. I mean. Reggie Bush, Deuce McAllister, Pierre Thomas, Darren Sproles, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. Those guys, those were guys under Peyton that finished as RB1, RB2 or better in the same year. So P. Ryan's going to be used. And the fact that Javante Williams is coming off this injury gives them all the reason to use P. Ryan even more and to slow play Javante Williams. And it could be a lot, look a lot like what J.K. Dobbins went through last year. And there's a lot of fantasy relevant things that are kind of kind of come to uh, come to the surface here when camps get in. Obviously, Cortland Sutton's been a big conversation. Jerry Judy, what is Russell Wilson overall going to look like? He and he could be a value at this point. You know, you look at the weapons around. In theory, with a lot of health and maybe that bounce back, Russell Wilson could be um, a big fantasy asset for how low he's going. Maybe more in like super flex leagues. All right, let's go over to the Raiders. And Brandon, we'll start with you on this one. I got to pick on uh, Josh Jacobs. I think Jimmy Garoppolo makes a lot of sense here, but the Josh Jacobs report that just came out might be a big nothing burger, but he leaves Vegas. We have all the running backs that are on Zoom meetings talking about the unfairness. He hasn't signed his thing. He leaves Vegas with no signs of coming back for training camp. So is it something to worry about or a nothing burger? And how are you approach drafting Josh Jacobs right now? Well, I drafted him in 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 Scott Fishbowl, but I was I was made sure I got Zamir White as well. I just don't know what the 
there's no upside here. For, I mean, the upside is he gets gets to take some camp time off, and but he's going to have to come back. I mean, you're not going to get more than what Saquon, Saquon Barkley got, which was just basically a one-year deal for $11 million. If you play on the franchise tag, you're one year for $10 million. That's what Tony Pollard's going to have to play on. So what angle are you going to take that you're worth more than Saquon Barkley? I don't think you can make that argument. You can make the argument that maybe you're worth as much as Saquon, but that's, I mean, maybe they do something similar where they just you know, rip that up and give him a one-year deal, but it's a little bit better than the franchise. I I think at some point you're going to see Josh Jacobs come back. Maybe he wants to just do the veteran thing where he, he uses this as a way to miss some some training camp time. Uh, but I don't see him getting – I don't see him getting a, a multi-year deal. Especially, do you have any apprehension to drafting him then? No, because I think that's going to be the realization, and at some point he's going to be back. But again, if you draft him, I think it's incumbent that you get Zamir White because you you do have to you know you do have to make sure you got things covered. The problem is now that Zamir White becomes a little bit more, you know, when I was drafting Scott Fishbowl, he hadn't hadn't left yet, so no one was like going to take going to reach for Zamir White a little bit earlier. So I was able to yeah. get him at a reasonable price. I think at this point with Josh Jacobs away from the team, you're going to see White's value go up and you're going to have to pay a little bit more of a premium for him. And that's kind of the problem with taking Josh Jacobs right now. Jake, Jake do you think this is posturing that like, this is going to be a nothing burger, whatever it, like, we're going to get the value. If Jacobs does move down, people are going to get a value or are you worried about this? If you're drafting right now, I'm not worried about Jacobs not playing this year. Cause they're stuck and there's not like Saquon Barkley's deal is not really that much different than what the tag would have been. So it just shows that they're stuck. Uh, but the problem is, is like how angry is he? Does it mean that he holds out all the way to the end of August? And that's a whole nother question because I bring it up time and again, uh, Mike Tomlin was the one that said there's a difference between being in football shape and being in NFL shape, like ready to play a game. So he, like we know Jacobs is going to be ready to play, but there's a difference between going through and as much as preseason and practices are like not a real game, there's still something to be said about getting your body kind of ready for those kind of hits, take a few and just kind of get in the shape. So maybe he starts off slow. And that's my concern is maybe it's not so much Jacob's value for the season's decreases that you let somebody draft them. If he's still going fringe RB one, and then you kind of swipe in or sl- slip in after two or three weeks to try and buy him on the cheap. But I, I think he plays, if he's going to fall into the third round, I'll still, I'll consider him. Do you don't think there's any possibility that he pushes, let's say four games, you know, cause what is it like you can miss like four, like six weeks or whatever to still get full season eligibility. You don't think there's any possibility he misses games due to this. Ten million dollars is ten million dollars. No, yeah. I also so if you were dry, I also just to really quickly chime in. I don't like Josh McDaniels being there because it's like he's from the Belichick tree, and what would Belichick do? I was like, you're not with us, then you know we're not going to worry about you, and like you could, and you know you're gonna gonna let competition into play, and if Zamir White's doing well, then you come back to potentially a, a platoon role. You know, I mean, it's it's just a bad play for Josh Jacobs, I think. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So you're on the clock. Uh, his ECR is nine at RB. You're on the clock, and it's Josh Jacobs, Jake, and uh, Najee Harris. Who are you taking? Najee. Uh, if I want to play a safe Najee Harris, if I'm going for upside, it's Josh Jacobs. I have jo- Josh Jacobs at like 16 around Tony Pollard. That's, that sounds like a wide receiver pivot right there. You just go yeah. with an alpha. So, alpha. I guess well, especially if you go wide receiver in the first round, that, <laughs> or running back in the first round. That's why I like. That's why I like to try to get the running back in the first round, unless it's extreme value, of course. But like, I, because I the 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 pivot, as you said, Funston is like the second round. I'm taking those top end. I don't have the tier one wide receivers, but I take those instead of these RB ones that already have. We know half the RB one tier already has questions. See, that's I feel like where we're heading to with him. It's maybe everyone's not wanting to make a big change to their overall rank or anything like that but i feel like it's getting into this space where it's like eh, i'm just gonna do something else like i'm just not gonna do it like i'm not gonna move his rank crazy but i'm just gonna change my mind because i think there just is some fear about both things actual sitting out games and then that football to you know practice type of shape like will he really be raring to go if there's significant missed time either way it's it's creating questions and it's probably the biggest one outside of like jimmy garoppolo's health and what that could affect to Devontae Williams or Devontae Adams, but we're still rolling with that. So let's go over to the Chargers. Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, I think there's two questions I put in here. Any concerns with Austin Eckler? I feel like things are kind of moving back up. It's kind of similar to the Josh Jacobs sake. He's a part of the, he's kind of the leader, by the way, of this um, RB barrage of like, we're not happy, but he's out there. He wants to be traded. Are there any of those worries or just actual gameplay usage worries for heavily investing in Austin Eckler this year? I don't have any worries about Austin Eckler. The only concern I would have is that just the touchdown rate stays what it is because it's been exceptional for the amount of carries that he gets. But this is one of the better offenses in the league, which that's part of the reason we don't have a problem with it. But what if it just shifts a little bit? And that's why. So I have Austin Eckler as my number two running back. I always have. But as you know, we've talked about on the show. I've always said he's not in a tier of his own. He's not in the tier with Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey for me is an island of his own. I have zero shares of Austin Eckler because I'm usually going at that tier one wide receiver right there because I think Austin Eckler deserves to be in the next tier with Barkley and even Jacobs and Tony Pollard and the rest, Derek Henry's of the world. Most people have him as like the one, two, one, three, and I'm not there for that. That's that's the biggest difference. It's kind of similar to Josh Jacobs. It's like not that I don't like him. It's just it's I'm kind of not getting him at this point. Yeah, you're like seeing where he is. If it's around value, you're just like, nah, I'm gonna do something else. Like you just don't jump to it. Yeah. Where I think I don't know. I feel like that waivers. Brandon, any anything different, or are you in the same boat as? Because I still feel like there's there's even some people that are kind of like anti CMC this year. And I think some of that also has to, and we'll talk about him. Some of that might have to do with like repeatability. People question the repeatability of running backs year after year, but. I feel like Eckler is getting that same, like you're either like really loving him or he's just in a glob of running backs where it's like, I just care about value. So do you have any other different feelings or concerns with Eckler? No, not really. I mean, like concern would be like kind of like a big value shift, you know, maybe moving him to the middle of the first round or the back end of the first round. But like what's really changed you know, there's not competition there for him with the Chargers. Kellen Moore coming in as the offensive coordinator, I don't – that doesn't scare me. I mean, and, you know, he'll look at the way they've used Austin Eckler. I mean, maybe you get a little bit more between the tackles from, you know, from the backups. But, like, 
Austin Eckler is going to remain a huge part of that passing game, and that's really where his bread's buttered in fantasy. And I don't see that changing, honestly. And even even with them bringing in Quentin Johnston, who I know you want to talk about next. Yeah, and that's the second one. Is is Quentin Johnston a real number two? Brandon, we'll start with you on that. You know, they've got their weapons there. Obviously, they're going to pass the ball. Herbert, you know, up there in most attempts in the league, he's going to be up in that range. Is Quentin Johnston a number two for this team? And what does that look like as far as a fantasy receiver? Because I believe he's the number two or three. Uh, maybe maybe it's three, but I, I know uh, Addison's the number one guy. And then I feel like JSN and Quentin Quentin Johnson kind of get put in the same territory. So is he a real number two for this team? I would take JSN a hundred times out of a hundred over Johnston. I, I'm not going to have any Johnstons. Uh, I mean, I will have no shares. I don't hate the guy, but I'm a little bit, something tells me that he could be, you know, because of the issues of him being robbed because of him, you know, being at TCU and having some huge games, but disappearing like, I feel like he's not going to be one of those guys, especially with the competition in that offense, where if Mike Williams is healthy and Keenan Allen is healthy and Austin Eckler is healthy, could be legit, maybe the the fourth option in the passing game. And that's not even, you know, throwing out Gerald Everett there, who, you know, probably has 50 catches lined up for himself as well. So I just don't know. I don't feel the upside there. I've been, you know, He's a yards after catch guy. He's not really known for being a like a great boundary guy yet. You know, I know they want to run him in in concert with Mike Williams on the outside with Keenan Allen work in the middle. But a lot of his big stuff in TCU is is yards after the catch across the middle. So, I mean, how much of that's going to be there for him? And I just think he's a work in progress, and it might be uh, you know pretty strong headwinds for him in year one. I guess that's my worry too. It's like you've got Allen, you've got Eckler, you've got Williams, and then you throw him in there. And early on in camp, it was like this guy is number two. ECR forty five, Jake. I'm not sure where you have him. Are you a buyer of Quinton Johnston in the move he's making in that offense, or do you think it's maybe a little bit too premature for him? It's way too premature. Yeah, next year, sure. Let's talk about it. When there's contract situations, then people out of the way and whatever. The biggest thing here is you're basically drafting a handcuff at wide receiver. That's what it is. You might hit big. Like this, he was one of the highest ceilings of all threes in the league. Uh, you can go through a handful of teams and probably count them on one hand where the number three, like Jackson Smith and Jigba. But again, it's the same conversation we had about the Seahawks at the time. He's irrelevant if everybody stays healthy for the entire year. Of course, we know the risk, especially with Allen and Mike Williams, is higher, which is why I would take a flyer on Johnston before I took one on Smith and Jigba, because you have two guys who have been dealing with injuries. Uh, Keenan Allen, not as many, but it's starting to creep up on him. Uh, Mike Williams, it seems like every single year, whereas Tyler Lockett mostly stays healthy. We're not worried about DK Metcalf. So that's why I would take the chance, because yes, if either one of them goes down, the top two with Herbert... With this offense, which actually might even be better under uh, with the with the switch over to Kellen Moore, so that's the upside. But if they, somehow Allen and Mike Williams play 16 games each, it's going to be a wasted pick. So I'm out because where he's being drafted is almost constant involvement, like a Tyler Boyd. I think he's going to be a clear number three. He's going to hit some big weeks and be like, oh, I can't believe he's on my bench. But the real upside is I would call him a wide receiver handcuff. And you don't necessarily need to have Allen or Mike Williams to draft him, but that's the way to think about him and his upside. And the risk is as long as those two are healthy, you're probably not going to get a lot out of them. The Kansas City Chiefs, as we end with the AFC West, I think the number one question, and Jake, let's get it from you. Sky Moore or Kadarius Toney? Who? <laughs> 
It's, it's Sky Moore because Kadarius Tony's hurt again. Like, <laughs> it's just it's as simple as it gets. Like, we would just love. We know this is, you know, go back to Grant Hill's second half of his career. No more Garcia Pera. Like, if these guys could stay healthy, like, we've seen how good they could be. I mean, those guys had careers behind them. And I threw in two other sports. I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> point being, Kadarius Tony, we see how good he is when healthy. And we saw the Chiefs design plays for him. So, like, I had, I like, Kadarius Tony was in my breakout wide receiver column, which is going to have to change at this point. And I'm going to switch. Actually, I mentioned him and Sky Moore because of this very reason. So I'll just take out the Tony part. Um, is that he can't stay healthy. And part of it was they were already designing plays for him. So it wasn't a true, like, you saw a lot of people mention his target percentage when on the field, but overlooked the fact that he was on the field for 13 snaps. Like they want to get him involved. Uh, I think the giants, the only reason they even traded him is just because there was off the field talk. But I think, you know, possibly they saw the issue here is that the guy just can't stay healthy. Unfortunately. I mean, it's even worse than Mike Williams for him. So I'll take the healthy guy. I'll take the one that's kind of also fit the offense coming, pulled in more of these slants and slots and over the middle. And that's the sky more connection that's been made so far. They kind of tried to do it with Juju Smith Schuster last year, but being that big slot, he didn't have the success a lot of us hoped for. I think more might fit a little bit better. What do you think this did to your rank real quick? Because uh, 39 ECR of Kadarius I don't, Tony. I, I'm going to even cut you up. I don't even know. I'm actually legitimately on the projections tab okay. for the Chiefs. I'm, I'm, I'm full on doing a re, like all through the teams. Got to add in stupid Melvin Gordon. Um, but I'm legitimately, <laughs> as we're recording this, I was on the Kansas City Chiefs tab. Yeah, because I'm under, I'm wondering what'll happen if like even you or if you will like flip them where it's like Sky Moore becomes the 30s. I think they'll flip because it's going to just be a target share situation. Oh, okay. Or if they ate into each other, because it's like you could argue they could just flip, or then Tony comes down, he comes up, and they meet into the 40s as like a flex option or something like that. Brandon, what say you? Sky Moore versus Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I did draft uh, Kadarius Tony in the Scott Fishbowl, and uh, you know. Based upon their ADP, give me Sky Moore all day. And obviously, Kadarius Tonius is going to go down from the 39, um, given his latest injury report. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm more and more just kind of backing away from Chiefs receivers in general. I just, I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if there's things are going to coalesce into an obvious alpha play here among this group. What about on the running back then, if you don't want to do that? What about Pacheco? Will Pacheco be a mid RB2. I know uh, my buddy Bogman loves Pacheco this year. They've still got McKinnon. The corpse of uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire still roams the halls and stuff like that. But is Pacheco an RB2 for you, Brandon? I'm just looking back to last year's RB2s. And who are the RB2s that finished as RB like mid RB2s with very low catches? And it's like Miles Sanders, um, but he had 259 carries. He only had 20 catches. He had 11 touchdowns. You look at maybe maybe Kenneth Walker, 228 carries, nine touchdowns, but only 27 catches. Like that's the kind of – so my issue, you know, McKinnon's going to dominate the receptions, and I think Pacheco's going to have low catch volume, probably 20 or less. So can he score 10 10 plus touchdowns because I think that's what you have to do. And when you have Travis Kelsey and when Jarek McKinnon scores nine, you know, catches through the air because Pat Mahomes is very comfortable throwing the ball at at the goal line. Like, are you going to get that number? So I'm a little bit dubious. I think that's a little bit too high for me. I would think more, you know, the back end RB2 to very early RB3 is where I'm comfortable. Jake, who would you rather have, Isaiah Pacheco or Rashad White? Ooh, that's uh, 
I think I'd slightly lean white in the volume. I'm just worried that this is going to be a bottom five offense. And we know that bottom 10 offenses rarely produce RB1s. But we're talking about the fact that, like, we're not looking for an RB1. We're just looking for mid RB2 with some upside. And I'll take the volume game here as I actually like Pacheco a lot. And they've already said the injury is a non-factor. But, you know, we have the Derek Price being talked up. We have McKinnon factor. It just talked like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is still around as of right now. And one thing the Chiefs has showed us is they'll take those. They'll, they'll go with whoever's working. And Pacheco is the guy right now. I would love to know that Pacheco will be the guy because if I knew he was getting 220, 30 carries and not a lot in the passing game, I'd just take him. I'd take him because he's on the Chiefs and probably scores on nine to 10 touchdowns on 220, 230 carries. It's just, is that going to be there? And because the snaps on the field when it's McKinnon instead. So I'll take white, even though I have a lot of concerns about that offense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go over to the NFC. This is uh, Brandon and I's division. This is the NFC West, and let's start with the Cardinals, and let's actually start with Brandon. Are the Cardinals the worst offense in the NFL? And yes, they've got a receiver, and they've got a running back, but come on. What are we doing here, Brandon? Are they the worst offense in the NFL? What do you trust? Uh, I don't trust anything. I trust them really trying to do everything they can to be in position to draft Caleb Williams next year and to maybe move on from Kyler Murray. And they may be so devoted to that idea that they'll just give Kyler Murray a red shirt year this year. I mean, he's going to be out until the midseason anyways. What if they've won one game to that point? Like, are you like, why risk winning more games at that point by bringing Kyler Murray in? So, yeah, I think this is, they definitely got to be the odds on favorite for being the worst offense. Um, they did nothing really to to bolster the backfield with James Conner, who's like, I like James Conner, but he's sort of a ham and egger, like a, a little bit. Like, I, I don't want to disrespect him because I, you know, I, 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 I respect the guy. I just don't think he's that dynamic and they didn't do anything there. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. They, you know, you got Marquise Brown, but he's always like, tenuous injury wise and can he be a true alpha and and you got what Clayton Toon I mean maybe you want you live in Arizona you want to you want to spin something positive here or are you kind of feeling the same way oh I'm not an area I'm not a Diamondbacks fan I'm not a Cardinals I hate the Cardinals I'm a 49ers <laughs> fan I'm from the Bay Area I live here Cardinals are uh, I love watching them lose I love watching the downfall it nothing makes me happier outside of the Seahawks being horrible but I can only have really one of those this year um, but that, but with what you're saying, Jake, that's what brings me to like, yes, James Connor is like a top 24 back kind of across the board. Marquise mm. Brown. Well, no, maybe not to you, but like an ECR, <laughs> he is Marquise Brown is considered a startable wide receiver coming in in the thirties, but like, are they really, we know bad offenses can create new opportunities, but it's so bad. Are these guys, do you want to invest in Cardinals players specifically Connor and Brown? 
Uh, I don't have any interest in Connor, mostly because this is somebody who hasn't actually played an entire season to this point. And, you know, the one game cut off, like whatever. This, but for all intents and purposes, the majority of seasons have involved injuries. Uh, I will take Rashad, the aforementioned Rashad White. I'll take Isaiah Pacheco uh, because James Connor not only has the injury history going for him, He's been reliant on touchdown equity as in the touchdown percentage. He's been very high in it, and that's a credit to James Conner. I'm taking anything away from James Conner. But as Funston said, I've been saying the same thing this entire offseason, is I wouldn't be shocked if Kyler Murray doesn't play at all in 2023. Uh, does he want to? Sounds like he wants to. It sounds like they're interested. They're already talking up, oh, he could be surprisingly ready by week one. Get the hell out of here with that crap. But, you know... If it's four games, maybe Kyler Murray comes back and, you know, they went two and two surprisingly or something like that. But the risk is it's half the season. And then, as Funston said, the risk on top of that is if they're one and seven, two and six, and they start thinking about the future, even if the future is with Kyler Murray, there's been talk that he's not. But if it is with Kyler Murray, like, again, why would you risk Kyler Murray coming back to a losing team? when he needs to recover, get 100%, if he still is your future for the next year. There's just a lot of scenarios against James Conner where do they even get in the red zone that much with whoever it is? I mean, it could be Clayton Toon. They could see what they got out of the rookie who is not somebody we expect a lot out of. So that's what it comes down to. Marquise Goodwin, or Marquise Brown, uh, I'm a little bit more in on uh, just because what's around him. Are we really doing Rondell Moore for what feels like the seventh year and it's only like the third? Uh, Greg Dortch was fun at times last year, but it's Marquise Brown. But his thing is, as long as he stays healthy too, should he get 23% of this share? Sure. But is it going to be shorter stuff because of McCoy or Toon? Probably, but I'll still take him as a top 30 wide receiver. So not quite a wide receiver too, but I'll take him in the conversation of like a Debo Samuel and Drake London, but that means I probably don't get him. Yeah, I don't think so. Going over to the Rams, we already, we've talked pretty exhaustingly about cup. Like we kind of know what cup is. Everyone's kind of reinvested all the points he had last year. He's healthy. Stafford is kind of a a nothing here. So when you want to talk about the fantasy impact, what's the biggest question? It's cam Akers, Jake. Is it cam Akers time again? Of course it is. <laughs> yes, it is Cam Akers time again. Of course it is. Well, because the big thing here is we have the end of the season again. We have the end of the season where it's like, look, he was a bell cow. And this time, unlike the previous season where a lot of it was in the playoffs, he came back from the injury that nobody really comes back from, let alone comes back and perform as well. Uh, he didn't look like he was running in mud half the time. And granted, he faced the 49ers in the playoffs everything like that. Those are the apologies I made for him last year in the fourth, fifth round hype. And everybody got excited about him. There was other people too, which pushed him in the third round. And that's where it really went South, but championship teams probably picked them off waivers last year because not only did they drop them, the fantasy leagues, Sean McVay tried to get rid of Sean McVay basically drove him around the country. And was like, here, take them, please somebody. And he got stuck with them. And then what happened? Cam Akers looks great at the end of the year. And that's without, Matthew Stafford and without Cooper Cup and without this offense being what it was. So it's his because it's Kyron Williams and uh, what Zach Evans behind him. I have no worries about either of those being a significant threat. I think he just needs to stay healthy. Uh, Do I think he's going to average four and a half yards a carry? No, probably about four, but 230, 240 carries gets him close to a thousand yards, chips in a little bit in the passing game. It really comes down to the same argument for Cup is Can he stay healthy and can Stafford stay healthy where the offense helps boost him a little bit? Because he looked good at the end of last year, unlike the previous season. So I'm ready to get hurt again. But again, you look at the depth chart, at least as of today, 
McVeigh doesn't seem to be hating him as much as he did last year. Week 13 on, he was the fourth scoring, highest scoring running back in half PPR. Over 100 yeah. points, 16.8 per game. Only Eckler, Jarek McKinnon, and Christian McCaffrey averaged more point total points uh, or points per game than Trust me, I time. know, because yeah. people were saying, thank you for winning my championship bracket, you jerk. You get to kind of still, yeah, still yeah. win it. Um, Brennan, what say you on Cam Akers? Well, so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, you can't, you, you look at this roster and, and who's going to steal a whole lot of volume from him. So I'm just going to veer. I, I, I'm fine with Cam Akers. He finished strong. He actually looked good. He passed the eye test down the stretch. Um, there's not a whole lot of competition there, but he... Even though he's at his metrics wise have been pretty good as a receiver, they haven't thrown to him a ton uh, since he's been in the league. I think the big question with the Rams is, we know Cooper, we're we're in on Cooper Cup, and I, I think Tyler Higby is mm. doing well for himself as like in the top ten because of volume. I think we're missing somebody here though because even if you give Cooper Cup a full season of health and a lot of volume, and you feel like Higby gets a lot of volume, somebody else that you know is it Van Jefferson? Is it Puka? Nakua, the Nakua, the the rookie. Uh, Is there a, is it Cam Akers? Are they going to look at Cam Akers and say, you know what, we can, we can do more with him in the passing game. And he gets 30 plus catches. Finally. Um, I just think there's for a team with has Matt Stafford and is likely to not be sitting ahead on the scoreboard a whole lot this year. There's going to be a decent amount of pass volume. And where is the extra passes going? Because no one's being drafted. Like they are going to be the guy. Something that might speak to Cam Akers, like you said, though. It might be an extra benefit we build into. Let's go to Brandon Seahawks. And Brandon, we will start with you on this one because I actually kind of pinpointed, even though it's it's more of an anomaly than not for his career, as Geno Smith just being an underrated player still. He added more weapons. He was insanely consistent. I think I went and looked. Bogman, I looked at this because he's a very anti-Geno Smith guy for this year. That Gino only had, I believe, I think it was 13 of 17 games played. He had 20 or more completions in. I mean, the guy just gets it done. So my question to you is, his rank isn't still crazy represent. It's not a QB1. So is Gino underrated with the addition of weapons this year? Or was last year more of a um, you know of an anomaly? Well, he was. I think he was top five last year because a lot of his crew had things that happened that that you wouldn't expect to happen this year. Like we're, we're going to move Justin Herbert back up and, and different guys that are going ahead of him. Um, I think Gino, like, I think he can do 30 touchdown passes again. I think he can do the four, like the 4,200 yards again. I think with Zach Charbonneau in the backfield, you're, you know, he ran 68 times last year. He might have a hard time getting the 50 rushes this year. Like he was, he was a sneaky, good, quarterback rusher last year and they may actually run a little bit more in the backfield so maybe the volume isn't quite as high I think he's going to be I think he's going to be close to his numbers last year but I think the field around him is also going to rise and for him going as like a back end QB1 I think that's that's perfectly fine for where he belongs I think he's safe there I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on him going a whole lot higher than that though I think if you look at what he did last year maybe reduce reduce it slightly, I think that's what you're going to get from him. Jake, I don't view Geno Smith as like a target in the single quarterback, but I tend to think he's an upper tier second quarterback in a super flex. If you're not going like insane and paying like, you know, the top two round quarterback price, 
if you can get a great quarterback, I feel like he is an upper tier. Like we've talked about our buddy Pisa Pia's uh, RPV. You want to talk about positional value of being a second quarterback. I tend to think he's an upper tier, but are you a buyer or seller of Geno for 2023? Uh, top 14 quarterback. I have him right in the conversation with Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, all the D's, I guess, all the D's at quarterback and Geno Smith. Uh, I think he deserves to be there. I think the only concern is that was that an anomalous season? I mean, he looked great. And at times, even with other teams, like especially when he was with the Giants that year, he looked like the best quarterback with the Giants. Uh, he's shown flashes before, and he's got some of the best weapons around him. And we've talked about it just before early on this show. He's now got one of the best assumed threes in the league. Uh, and then you've got the backfield behind him with that duo. So you expect it to repeat. It's just does the touchdown success repeat? Like uh, if so, because now like. Really, if you look at last year and like if you woke up somebody that fell asleep in 2018 and then you said, hey, wake up, go watch the Seahawks game. And you did like never showed the back of the jersey. But like, well, Russell Wilson still looks great. He still has that connection. And I don't say the similar play styles. I say it's that connection. It's that connection. He immediately stepped in with Tyra Lockett and DK Metcalf for the touchdown success and that rapport that he had immediately. If that carries over, honestly, 13, 12, 14 is low. He'll be a top 10 quarterback. I think it's just that we have so much baked in history of Geno that we're reluctant to believe that one year is the true Geno. We're kind of like, uh, do we got to get that out of our minds? So, you know, maybe you should just fall asleep and waking up in 2023 and you'll draft uh, Geno as a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, it's wild too. Geno, I believe, was tied with Josh Allen for the most end zone throws and the most end zone touchdowns straight in, like, in the red zone. It was like, he was just wild last year. So you know what's I, insane on that note? Just a random thing. You know, it was like had the best completion percentage on like third downs and stuff like that in the red zone? That, that it was Geno? It's Daniel Jones and threw like zero touchdowns. He was the best red zone passer reception wise I, I saw actually uh it was i think it was pff's like adjusted completion percentage he was number one in the nfl quarter of all quarterbacks uh adjusted like he's just absolutely wild uh the other question will charbonnet ruin kenneth walker jake will he ruin him charbonnet won't ruin him but he will be part of the equation uh funston well knows this goes back this is always pete carroll he sees a role for everybody he drafts this goes back to chris carson and rashad penny back when penny could stay healthy and carson was healthy he'll both will get involved i'd still take ken walker over charbonnet 10 times out of 10 uh but i have ken walker as a middling rb2 because of what funston said about pacheco i have walker clearly ahead of pacheco just my concern is, is he going to be primarily ball carrier, little uses in the passing game? He showed off a little or showed up a little bit better last year in the passing game than he ever did in college. I'll give him credit. He did look better at times. I was somebody who thought he might just be trash in the NFL. Um, but you're talking about now complementary pieces here. So I could see a 60-40 rush split, but a 60-40 pass split going Charbonnet's way, which obviously brings Ken Walker down to an RB2. Still a great RB2 and he'll still score touchdowns. He'll be the guy. But you just have to factor that in where now you kind of, it, you know, I'll compare it to the Packers. I think you have it, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and now they are on the on the Seahawks. I mean, I think that's really hard to do. I think it's hard to have enough. Reverse roles, have, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. hope you understood. Yeah, well, here's okay, so I guess the roles are, do you believe that they can be that, Brandon? Or do you think Charbonnet is going to ruin Ken Walker? Because that seems like the three outcomes are Walker defies all odds and it doesn't matter who's there. Uh, Charbonnet ruins Walker or they can actually become a one-two punch like Dylan and Aaron Jones where they're both viable like top two round running backs well I thought it was interesting with Ken Walker last year he had what 10 touchdowns 
only one of them came inside five yard lines and, and Walker actually had nine carries inside the five yard line. He only had one touchdown among all people that had eight or more carries. They all scored at least three touchdowns except for one other person besides Walker. And that was Travis Etienne. And what did both teams go out and do? They brought in big running backs in the draft and tank Bigsby and Zach Charbonnet. So I think what you're going to see is Walker is going to lose the goal line line roll. Now he scored a ton of, touchdowns from distance but that's kind of a that's a tough thing to bank on year in and year out so like if he doesn't have the goal line roll and he and he you know maybe scores a few less touchdowns from long range you know you're suddenly talking about a five six touchdown guy who's not getting catches and now has to pretty much put up like 1200 yards to be a a solid rb2 uh you know that's that's tough so i think yeah i mean i i'm not drafting ken walker um in the teens right now. I, and he, and he won't fall into the low twenties at running back. And so I'm not getting him. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, people are going to be, I think disappointed with where they drafted him. I don't think he's going to return that kind of value, but I think he's still going to be good enough that he has a chance to be a back end. Not to use, not, not to pull the question here, but where do you have him? Cause it sounds like you might be even lower than I am. And I thought yeah. I was like the low person on Walker. Um, where, where did you say you had him, Jake? Yeah. Give me, I didn't. Cause Oh, because uh, you're still uh, working just, on your redo. Well, because he might move down a few sp- a spot or two, okay. but he's he's in he's in the lower teens for me. Like, okay. yeah, I, I want to say he's to in between the right six, 16 to 20 range. Yeah, so he's tier wise too. I'd put him in the tier, and he's below this guy in the tier of J.K. Dobbins. Well, he's right ahead of J.K. Dobbins for me now because. Dobbins just went on the pup list. Like, um, no, they already pulled him back off. Oh, they did. Okay. Well, I'd probably yeah, rather there's have. Specu- there's speculation he's doing like I'm not happy about my contract either, or even just like let's just keep him healthy type of stuff. He's 19 for me, so I have, I have. Oh yeah, We're yeah. right around the same spot. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm so why do you hate Ken Walker? <laughs> why do you hate Ken Walker? <laughs> I think I just laid it out there. Uh, love yeah, Ken Walker, did. He did but, just lay it out. but yeah, there's going to be a little. There's going to be a slight tarnish to his uh, fantasy numbers because of Charbonneau for sure, and probably more than slight. All right, Charbonne, best, Nene. For Nene. best for last, best for last, gentlemen. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. So the question is, me Homer. Uh, the weird thing I'm seeing is the, the Christian McCaffrey stuff. And again, I, I can understand arguments of being like, Hey, just historically players don't repeat blah, blah, blah. But the argument I find the oddest to Christian McCaffrey, not being able to be a one, two or a three at RB this year is Eli Mitchell. So Brandon, let me start with you. Do <laughs> you believe, cause, <laughs> cause I think it's crazy. <laughs> Is Eli Mitchell really a reason why Christian McCaffrey cannot be the top back in fantasy football this year in your mind? No. I mean, look, you don't make the move for Christian McCaffrey to to, you know, platoon him in even if, you know, you want to say he's the lead platoon leader, like you just don't do it. You saw what how they used him. And I the only thing I would say is that like if San Francisco like they might be in a position, we'll see how the quarterback situation comes out early in the year, but they might be in a position where they're like, okay, we want McCaffrey healthy down the stretch. So we will at least let Eli Mitchell mix in a little bit early on. I can see that, but you're going to turn McCaffrey loose as soon as you're ready to like make that, you know, make the re, you know, really make that run towards the playoffs and the Super Bowl chase that they're going after. I mean, that's what he's all about. They're paying him the most money. They gave up capital to get him. They are going to use him to the max of his abilities. And it might be a few weeks of not, but it's going to happen at some point. 
I've always and they've always said too. Shanahan has said when they're rushing the ball thirty times or more, they're doing good and they're winning. And that's the thing I think people forget when they talk about Eli Mitchell is the assumption is oh Eli Mitchell's going to take some, but that's still going to be twenty carries plus for McCaffrey, and they're also going to throw him the ball. If it, Mitchell gets ten carries, it doesn't mean McCaffrey has lost usage. But Jake, you're kind of with me, top tier Christian McCaffrey. Is there any argument to be made that Eli Mitchell can even be a sounding point of why McCaffrey can't be the top uh, running back in fantasy? No, because it's not so much Eli Mitchell, because it could be anybody. Like, strip the name away. It's the dude behind Christian McCaffrey. Like that's just because it's Shanahan, as you mentioned. No, it's because Christian McCaffrey still scores 20 points even when he touches the ball 13 times a game. Not every time, but that's my point here is Christian McCaffrey doesn't need to and never will be a true 20 touches or 20 carries, another three, four, five receptions, or even 15 and seven. Like every single week isn't going to be 20 touches for him. And it doesn't matter because he's Christian effing McCaffrey. So like that's what it comes down to is that everything Funston said, and I'm just, I just took him as 101 and I'll take him at one, actually one, two, but I, I pre-queued it. And if I was at one, one, I would take Christian McCaffrey because I think he's the lock of all locks. The only, I thought when you were about to tee this up, not even Eli Manning, I thought that you were going to say the only concern about Christian McCaffrey is health. Cause that would be my argument. That's the only thing that knocks him off being the number one running back is health. Did I say Eli Manning, by the way, when I <laughs> no, no, no. It just, oh, okay. as, soon as, you, as soon as you said Eli M, I'm, I'm a Giants guy. Like, so the first name that comes to me when you say Eli M, and I'm like, Manning. Like, no, no, totally. <laughs> but like my brain, I will say something and someone will be like, yeah, they'll be like, hey, by the way, you said Eli Manning completely differently. The other 49ers question I think is really important. And Jake, we'll start with you. This is the last one of all of it. And it might be quarterback specific, but we kind of have to take that out because we got to make a decision. Who is the pass catcher to own with the 49ers? Is it Debo? Is it Kittle? Kittle, obviously, a top three or four tight end. Debo has moved down to maybe a top 20 wide receiver. Ayuk is the cheapest. So Debo, Kittle, or Ayuk, which pass catcher do you want to invest in the 49ers offense? In order, Ayuk, Kittle, Debo, Samuel. I believe the best wide receiver at this point is Brandon Ayuk. I, I think the Debo that we knew that one year is a Debo that doesn't exist anymore. That's just not who it was. That was a hell of a fun year, and that was terrific. It's just not that's not what this offense is anymore, especially with Brock Purdy. And now you have every three people healthy. Like part of my concern for all three of them last year is like, how many times did we see all three of them play together healthy two years ago? It was very little. Kittle got hurt, missed time. Ayuk got hurt, missed time. Debo, and it just seemed to never co- correlate where they were all together. And then we saw last year, and the one that stepped forward and stepped forward as in also his career was Brandon Ayuk. I think he's the true one on this team. I think Kittle's right behind him on his heels. I think Debo's now fallen to the number three, which isn't a bad thing. Like this is like this be real. It's just when I see Debo in drafts, I think people are still banking on too much in the rushing game. Uh, I still think he'll be involved there as well. But I have Debo where I'm not getting Debo. I'm not even sniffing Debo because I have him as like low 20s in the conversation with Christian Kirk. He's not even getting close to my mm-hmm. roster. But on the flip side, I'm getting a hell of a lot of Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, he's the cheapest. Brandon, uh, how do you how do you uh, sparse this out? Who is the target for you in this 49ers offense? Well, if it's Brock Purdy, I think it's George Kittle uh, for me. I mean, it's seven touchdowns in four games with Purdy. Stood out. A couple of those games were 90 and 100 yards. Um, but I, I agree with Jake, I think Debo's the problem, and you know, and what happened was Debo. They started leaning so much on him in the running game. It's kind of allowed, you know, the other receivers to sort of blossom. And 
and now Debo is like, they don't need to lean on him like that anymore. Why would you with Christian McCaffrey there? So now Debo's trying to go back and be the alpha, but those other guys are, are there and they're like, I can be, I can be the guy too. So it's like, um, so yeah, I mean, Kittle for me, I would go back and forth between Ayuk and Debo. Are you saying you actually have Ayuk ranked higher? Or you just like Ayuk's ADP yes. better than Debo? No, I have, I have, I have, no, I have Ayuk like half a tier. I, I don't. I have Debo higher than Ayuk, but I have him pretty close. But I, like I said, I would go back and forth on those. But I, I love Kittle with with Purdy being the quarterback. Well, that'll be fun when we get into ranks. And that, my friends, was the West. Coming up, oh, let's do the North. Let's do the North when we come back here. We'll break down all the biggest fantasy questions there. If you guys want to get access, Jake is hard at work. You want to get access to that work? Go to The Athletic, sign up today, get rolling. Brandon, I have a question. When is the magazine? I have the magazine in hand. When it, Is it out? Everyone it's can out. go get it's it available? As far as I know, it's on newsstand. Okay. So, yeah, um, it's, right. it's there. Check it out. Hopefully your go, local barn. Go pick it up and it. then mail it to Jake. He'll give you his address and he'll autograph it for you. He's already told me he'll do that to every single person. Decrease the, the value in it. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. So go get that at newsstands. Go to the Athletic. Sign up today and make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hang out with Jake Brandon and myself. We'll be back talking about the Divisional North guys next week. For Brandon and Jake, I am Welsh. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. 